SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. on the morning after on sports grid sirius xm channel 159 the home for sports grid radio on sirius xm and all across the sports grid network i am ben stevens yeah football is the focus not only because the regular season in the nfl is now in the books week 18 over and done we look forward to the postseason not only because there are a ton of head coaching firings and news around the nfl on this black monday currently underway Also because there's a national championship game tonight in college football. In Indianapolis, Indiana, Alabama looks for its second straight title. It's fourth in the last eight years of the college football playoff against Georgia. An SEC foe in a rematch of the SEC championship game. So much football to bring you on this Monday here on TMA. And now in our third and final hour, it is a very happy hour. Yes, even at 11 a.m., even On a Monday morning, it is still happy hour when we enter our third and final hour here on TMA on SportsGrid. A great guest list for you in this third hour. The pro football doc, Dr. David Chow, will join us next to look at some of the injuries for the NFL and what what things mean moving forward. We'll also get his take on the field view for tonight's game between Alabama and Georgia in the CFP National Championship. We will also be joined by our sportsbook conciliary, Dave Sharapan, who wants to talk a lot of college football today, and we can use his expertise as a former odds maker to understand why Alabama is an underdog once again, what goes into setting that line, and where the movement might go leading in to tonight's national championship game in Indianapolis, and of course his perspective on NFL Week 18 and some of the early postseason lines you need to know entering Wild Card Weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and a Monday night football game across the National Football League in the opening round of the postseason as well. Let's continue to recap week 18 across the NFL because to start off happy hour each and every day, it is our West Coast wake up. We welcome in our West Coast audience here to the morning after and two teams that play out on the West Coast in Los Angeles were the focus of a crazy day across the NFL. Let's start in the season finale, the final game of the regular season, number 272. Win and you're in unless there's a tie and there was almost a tie. Oh, my God. It's actually going to be a tie. And then it wasn't between the Las Vegas Raiders and the L.A. Chargers. The Raiders using a last-second 47-yard field goal as time expired in overtime off the right foot of Daniel Carlson to win this game 35-32 over Los Angeles, send the Chargers packing, and the Raiders into the AFC postseason. There was so much conversation, almost in jest, throughout much of the week about, whoa, there's a way and there's a world that the Chargers and Raiders could tie and both get into the postseason. Wouldn't it be funny if they just need the ball out each 15 times offensively and both entered the postseason? That almost happened. They never need it, but there was never any kneels in place in victory formation, but we got so close. I mean, so close to an actual tie and what was one of the most wild games you will see to end out an NFL regular season and it happened in the first ever week 18 we have seen in NFL history the longest regular season in NFL history so a record-setting night out in the desert at Allegiant Stadium 
in Las Vegas. Ultimately, the Raiders prevail as a three-point underdog. The over-under that was at 48.5 goes way over. Justin Herbert did all he could to bring L.A. back. They were down 29-14 entering the fourth quarter. As we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here to the third and final very happy hour of the morning after on this Monday. You're listening on Sirius XM, channel 159. A welcome to our terrestrial radio audience as well here on Sports Grid. I am Ben Stevens, recapping the season finale, week number 18. Last night out in Las Vegas, the Raiders winning in overtime, 35-32. Justin Herbert and the LA Chargers converted four, or excuse me, five fourth down conversions late in that game to keep the Chargers alive, down by 15 Entering the fourth quarter, 29-14, they come all the way back, tied at 29 at the end of regulation. The Raiders kick a field goal to start off overtime to take a 32-29 lead. The Chargers answer to make it 32-32. The timeout heard all around the world with Brandon Staley calling a timeout on third and four with 38 seconds left. That Derek Carr and Rich Pisaccia all admitted changed the speculation or changed the formula for the Raiders to win that football game, although I don't think the timeout mattered as much. I don't think it saved a tie or got rid of a tie. The Raiders end up kicking a field goal to win in overtime, 35-32. The Raiders now the number five seed in the AFC playoffs. The Chargers missing out on the postseason. Also a wild game in Los Angeles yesterday on the NFC side of things. A truly impactful game, maybe the most out of the entire Week 18 Sunday slate. The Rams and the Niners. San Francisco needed a win to get into the postseason. With a win, the Rams would have clinched the NFC West and the number two overall seed. The Rams still the champs in the NFC West because of a Cardinals loss, but they lost and are now the number four seed. The Niners with the upset victory into the playoffs in one of those final wild card spots. The number six seed in the NFC the Niners winning outright as a three-and-a-half-point underdog. Their second outright victory in only three games as an underdog this year. Both of those outright winners as a dog coming against the Los Angeles Rams, who Sean McVay has struggled in his tenure against the San Francisco 49ers. Six straight losses to San Francisco. And under Sean McVay, Los Angeles was a perfect 45-0 entering yesterday when having a halftime lead. Yesterday, their first loss as the Niners come back in the second half. Let's look at the postseason from an injury perspective up next here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, channel 159, and all across the Sports Grid network. I am Ben Stevens. The NFL regular season is now in the books. We move forward to the postseason, and Wild Card Weekend begins with two games on Saturday. Not a long turnaround for a couple of teams entering the playoffs across the National Football League, which means injuries and a lot of that speculation at the front and center right here, right now on TMA. So very pleased to welcome in pro football doc, Dr. David Chow, to give us that injury analysis entering the NFL playoffs. Dr. Chow, thank you for joining us once again on this Monday morning. Thanks for having me. And it's the first ever, quote, super wild card weekend. You know, the six first games, ever week 18. Saturday. The first, yeah, 
and a Monday night game. Three Sunday and a Monday night oh. game. Crazy. We have a Saturday doubleheader, three on Sunday, and then one on Monday night for Super Wild Card Weekend. The NFL continuing to set history here in the 2021 now in calendar year 2022 season, Dr. Chow. So with all of that that we have in store this upcoming weekend, let's look back on a couple of the games yesterday and some playoff teams hoping to stay as healthy as possible. One of my favorite games yesterday, Dr. Chow, out in L.A. at SoFi Stadium, a great overtime thriller between the Niners and the Rams. And we saw San Francisco storm back in the second half, down 17-3 at the break, led by Jimmy Garoppolo, who was obviously playing with that injured right thumb on his throwing hand. What did you see out of Jimmy G's mechanics yesterday, and how healthy do you think he can be for the Niners' run in the postseason? Well, it was a definitely a tale of two halves. I mean... Everyone knows before the game, I said, I don't see how Jimmy G is going to play effectively because he can't grip well with a thumb. And in the first half, I saw all the calls of get him out of there, the easy strips out fumble, the ball slipping out of his hands, uh, interceptions. And at halftime, he apparently went and got an injection to numb the area of pain. And he was much better and led the rally to win uh, getting San Francisco into the Super Bowl. Uh, look, he's still not going to be 100% this next week, but I'll bet you he gets that injection before the start of the game to, to you know, lessen the pain. And you could see it. There was one time where he was about to, someone's going to high-five him, and he went, whoa, no, no, I can't high-five you. You're going to hurt my thumb. And, and even little things, like he's obviously right-handed, but Ben, you probably, like, you know, used a Gatorade bottle before, those big fat bottles that you have to squeeze to get water. I mean, you drink usually with your dominant hand. He was always with his non-dominant hand because he, he couldn't squeeze kind of thing. But he got the job done. And that's a credit to Jimmy G. That's a credit to Kyle Shanahan and the 49 organization for making the right choice. Let's let's celebrate that and see how they do in the playoffs. But, you know, there's a looming other decision coming next year. You traded three first-round picks to get Trey Lance, yet you don't trust him in a run-dominant offense. Dr. Chow, it always was baffling to me that Jimmy G would be able to even play in a game of that consequence yesterday because it would just seem the throwing mechanics of having to grip the ball with your right thumb and be able to be a successful NFL quarterback just didn't really add up. So how does it change things for Jimmy G just from a medical perspective with that injured right thumb and what he is capable of doing on the field? Well, one week will make it a little less sore. It won't be 100% healed. Obviously, the 49ers medical staff did a great job with that spike of thumb tape to give him some stability. Taking the pain away helped. He still won't be 100%, but he will be one week better. Look, I've told everyone, I'll take the L. I didn't think he would be able to start and play. Clearly, his throwing mechanics were off, and the first half wasn't so good. He shot put in some balls. He didn't throw long. There was a lot of yards after catch. But the bottom line is... With that ejection in the second half, he did very well. So, you know, yep. uh, things happen, and uh, let's let's see what happens going forward. So if it's not Jimmy G, if it's not Trey Lance, maybe Debo Samuel can just do it all for them as he has all year long and play quarterback because Debo Samuel even had a passing touchdown yesterday in that victory over the Rams. Dr. Chow, on the other side, we saw late in the game, Matthew Stafford looked like he was hobbled slightly limping around a little bit. Did you notice anything from the game broadcast yesterday that should be cause for concern for the Rams moving forward? Sort of. Very clearly, he suffered a right turf toe injury. 
Uh, the toe was hyper dorsiflexed when someone fell on his heel. He had a turf toe tape job on the sideline. He was hobbling some. But look, if this were, you know, a mobile quarterback, this would be a much bigger deal. Matthew Stafford has a strong arm, so he doesn't need to push off as much with his right foot and big toe. He can overcome it. He was never very mobile to begin with, maybe less so now. He'll probably be limited at best in practice this week. But I don't see how he doesn't play. Matthew Stafford always plays through at Sports Injury Central. We'll just lower his six score slightly, but I think he's still going to be okay. And that's sixscore.com, S-I-C-score.com for all of this very valuable insight that Dr. Chow is providing us here on a Monday on the morning after. On the other side of things, Dr. Chow in the AFC, the Titans with a win yesterday over the Texans clinched the number one overall seed in the AFC. Now, King Henry himself, Derrick Henry, did not play in the regular season finale, but he was activated and practiced last week on Wednesday for the first time in quite some time. The Titans now have a bye after earning that number one overall seed. So when they open up play in the playoffs, Dr. Chow, what should we expect out of Derrick Henry from a health perspective? Look, obviously Derrick Henry is going to play. Uh, He's been on the practice field. We've seen some video. He looks pretty good. Uh, To the naked eye, I can still say, and I don't even remember which side was injured. Remember, we didn't have film. But you could see he was favoring that right side, and a little uh, internet research will tell you it was the right fifth metatarsal. So he's doing well. He's got two more weeks to do even better. Here's what I expect. I expect a very good Derrick Henry. But are we going to see a great King Henry is the question. I think there's still going to be a little bit of a split in the divisional round with Donta Foreman, who's done very, very well. And Tennessee's doing it with defense. They've got a good offensive line. Look, I don't expect 20 touches and 300 yards, sorry, 30 carries and 200 yards out of Derrick Henry. Maybe half that, but that's still pretty darn good. Yeah, absolutely so. And you're right. Donta Foreman has been great in his replacement. They have found a way to win games. And A.J. Brown looked healthier yesterday. Julio Jones finding the end zone for the first time as a Tennessee Titan. So the offense starting to feel good for the number one seed in the AFC. Everything now runs through Nashville in the hunt for an appearance in the Super Bowl. All of, obviously, Dr. Chow tonight as well. The college football playoff national championship game. We ask you every Monday for your field view for Monday Night Football. Is there a field view you can share for us for the national title tonight between Alabama and Georgia? Yeah, we did not do a field view yet, but here's the thing. Because we're looking at video, previously we stayed away from college because, you know, these are amateur athletes and students, you know, with parents and other things. But now with name image likeness, you can be sure that Sports Injury Central going forward will start to look at football, college football, especially the big games, because I think it's now fair. I mean, it's said that the Alabama quarterback's making a million dollars in name image likeness. Out of respect previously, we weren't doing college on a regular basis, but going forward, I think we will expand and do that. We've added some doctors. One of the was a college football doc, as well as NFL, as well as NBA, and he's very eager to jump in, and and that will help with our bandwidth and analysis as well. Certainly so, and we'll provide great analysis and expertise because that's a perspective of the handicap you need for any football game, especially with one with a national championship on the line between Alabama and Georgia tonight. 
Dr. David Chow, the pro football doc himself. You can catch more of his work and knowledge as he just shared at SICscore.com. Dr. Chow, as always, thank you very much for your time here on a Monday. Thank you. So here's what we have at stake. NFL Week 18 now in the books. The postseason awaits, as does a national championship game tonight in Indianapolis between Alabama and Georgia. Joining us next, it will be the sportsbook conciliary Dave Sharapan, a former odds maker, to break it all down. Stay with us here on the morning app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. How about that football, huh? NFL Week 18 now in the rear view. The postseason is up next. Head coaching vacancies now starting to add up in the NFL on this Black Monday. We have brought you the breaking news on this Monday morning. It has slowed down a little bit. And oh yeah, people kind of forget. There's a college football playoff national championship game tonight between number one Alabama and number three, Georgia. Indianapolis, Indiana. Lucas Oil Stadium tonight in prime time. The roof probably closed because the Southerners don't like the cold as much as us from Big Ten country. I am Ben Stevens, the host here of the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the SportsGrid network. And now very pleased to be joined by our sportsbook conciliary, Dave Sharapan, a former odds maker who we will grill right now to understand why the team of the hat that he is wearing is an underdog yet again tonight. Dave, first and foremost, thank you for joining us on this Monday morning, although it is a very beautiful nighttime in Pittsburgh. Oh, it is. And I'm sure we're going to get to that. Um, But, you know, it's Natty Day. It's the last Mm. game of college football. And it has to be discussed. I've been scrambling all morning out here in Vegas looking for my brown leather jacket. I wanted to come on with a bomber jacket ready to go with this Bama team. They're getting points, Benjamin. Sometimes the lines tell you a story. The story Mm. with this one would be that a lot of odds makers, a lot of the rhombuses, a lot of the parallelograms, they're all on this Georgia team and the people. The public, everyone else is on Alabama, but some sharp people too. Some of those, some of those rhombuses are on Alabama. It's a great line. I think it's, it's, it's a perfect line after we saw this game. How many times do we see a game a month before and get to do it again with the two best teams? Right. So I can't wait to watch it. Um, I uh, still am not completely all in on one side or the other, but this one came in the mail first. So yeah, I got the Alabama hat on. I mean, it looks crisp. I mean, that crimson right there is super crisp on this Monday morning. So Dave, let's begin there. And I want to hit on something you just said. The numbers for this game are spectacular. Oftentimes in college sports, a regular Saturday in the early portion of October as conference action is just picking up. 
you could find some edges out there. Maybe a team that's off to a better start that's still undervalued by the book. Maybe there's a team that you think can cover a big spread against a lesser opponent in conference. The number for this game is sharp, both in the spread and the total, in my opinion, because I'm having a very difficult time trying to find an edge on either the side, whether it be Georgia as the favorite or Bama as the dog, taking an over or an under of that 52 and a half based on what we have seen, what I expect to see the adjustments made from the first go around at the SEC title game in early December in Atlanta, Georgia. But I want to start with the odds making perspective of it all, Dave, because when Alabama was booked as a six and a half point underdog for that SEC championship game just over a month ago, and they won outright 41 to 24, I said this, many people said it, it'd be about a decade until we see Alabama as an underdog again. Decade into a month. Why do you think even the early look-ahead line had Georgia as the favorite? Well, because everybody played Georgia the first time. So when you know, I mean, it's like playing, it's like playing poker with the, with the cards up. When you know the hand, you know, as the odds maker, you got to deal the hand that you're given. So you know they're going to bet Georgia again, which anyone that opened this line under three knows because it shot up immediately. The bag yep. guys, like I like to call them, the ones that come with the bags of money that move the limits, you know, move the lines with limit plays, bet Georgia last time three and a half. Some opened three, three and a half. So there was a four to yeah. bet them four and a half all the way up to seven. Now, you're right. Decade might be getting Bama plus seven or six and a half with that thing closed. So that's not going to happen again. And I think mm -hmm. we've reached a peak at three. I don't know who could be coming in now to be betting Georgia to move in the line, but it ain't happening. It's only going down. Um, you don't always have to give the line that you think is going to result in, in the final score. You have to give the line that's going to draw the most action. Sometimes, I mean, I say this all the time, even with the Super Bowl. It's the sharpest line of the year. We have all of the information. It's it's easy. You put up two and a half or three or three and a half and bounce it back and forth, take millions of dollars in bets, including in New York now where it's, where it's uh, active and ready to go. So now you just sit and take the bets and watch the game. Now, do you have an edge? I think the total, Benjamin, is a little mm. bit high. I think the thing that we might see differently is a different type of game. But we're still yeah. going to see. I hope it lives up to the billing. That's all. When we get to this point, all I want is not a dud. So we can talk about it, enjoy it. It's more of a celebration. Also, you know, from the odds-making and book-making standpoint, the cold abyss that awaits us of college basketball for the next three months. This is it for college football. So we got to talk about it. And I want to see a good game. I don't want to be left with a blowout at all. I want to see a good game. I think we are going to see a good game tonight. So Dave, you said as you opened up here in this segment, the line, the number can tell a story. And you said, because a lot of those bad guys, the uh, Polaris, I can't say the word, 
parallelogram, whatever you said it was. Anyway, the rhombuses, that's an... Yeah, yeah, I'm not great at geometry. Uh, the rhombuses that you said that bet this Georgia early and then the squares of the public coming in to take Alabama. When you have all that that's factored in, what story do you expect to see from now until we get to kick tonight in Indianapolis? Oh, I think the Bama money's coming today. Like the Bama real money. Like I think they've been waiting to see how high that the other – rhombuses and parallelograms we're going to drive this oh. thing up i think they've just been sitting and waiting and, and some people that i know um that i really respect also are on alabama there's no there's no sharp side of this game there's no there's no um you know people that know nobody you know what i say nobody knows squadoosh you get to this yep. game and you tell me the line's minus three now tomorrow i mean even tonight we're going to have a lot of people telling you they knew. Of course. I'll tell you before the game, I don't know. And it, 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 and there's a lot of people that are going to say it all day today. Oh, this team's yeah. going to win. This team's going to win. No, 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 no. We, we'll, we'll, we'll see who the real experts are tomorrow because, you know, apparently nobody loses. But I don't know. It's, 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 it's that game where yeah. everybody has an opinion. I think I'm excited for college football that I think we got the two best teams. I, I don't think anybody can really argue that we got the two best teams, but we got a guy who wears the bomber jacket on a flight there. All he does is beat his assistants. Kirby smart. And those guys got to be going. We've led every time we played. Them. We can't beat these guys like right now. So can they beat them tonight? Absolutely. Absolutely. They can. I don't think they will. I just, I'm, I'm leaning Alabama. And until somebody does it, until you beat the champ, you can't beat a champ. So we'll see. Yep. I mean, Dave, you know what the story is going to be for those people that knew, right? If Georgia wins tonight, it's going to be the best team in college football all year long. The most dominant side we have seen defensively in over a decade had one bad game in the SEC championship, but they were the better team all year and you got them under a field goal. Yeah, of course, Georgia was the side. Right. Then if Alabama wins their second straight national championship, it's going to be like Bama, a dog again. Are you kidding me? How could we yeah. not go with Nick Saban and the tide? So there it is laid out for you right there. But you mentioned the total and you said you felt it was a little bit lofty at 52 and a half. Often, Dave, the correlated thought process is if an underdog is going to win, the under is more likely to come in play. If a favorite is going to win in cover, it pushes us to a total. I think it's the complete opposite tonight. How do you feel about correlating that spread to the total of 52 and a half? I think you're thinking exactly right. I, I, I don't think this one has any correlation at all. I could see either team winning a low-scoring game, and I could see either team winning a high-scoring game. But the likelihood of Georgia winning is an under. And Bama's already showed that if they're going to win, it can be an over. The key to the game is if they if Georgia gets pressure on Young and forces him yep. to make mistakes or a turnover or two or three, then they're going to win the game. If they cannot figure out a way to get pressure on him, Alabama's going to move the ball, not running it. They ran it against Cincinnati. They don't have to mm. run it tonight. They can pass it. You can't run on Georgia. Everybody's told us that for months. You watch the games, you know. 
you can't run on Georgia. So that's the key to the game. I think Georgia's going to get their points. Team total might be looking to play under Georgia team total if you think Alabama can win the game and you're not sure about the overall total. It's a very, very difficult line to know. But we will talk more about the college football playoff later on. Next, we go to the NFL because we need Dave's odds-making experience to get us through Week 18 now into the postseason. Stay with us here on the morning after on Sportsbook. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Football front and center on a Monday on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the SportsGrid network. I am Ben Stevens, joined by our sportsbook conciliary, Dave Sharapan, for a second straight segment. He just gave you a wonderful odds-making breakdown of how things look for the college football playoff national championship game tonight between Alabama and Georgia in Indianapolis. Georgia, a two-and-a-half-point favorite over Alabama once again. The over-under 52 in a hook. But not only does Dave bring us expertise from that odds-making perspective, he also brings us the beautiful downtown scenery at nighttime of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, because he is wearing an Alabama hat, but Pittsburgh is always at the front of his heart. And the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to the playoffs because of a game that was tied, and then it wasn't tied, and it seemed like a tie was going to be in the cards, and then it was in the cards, and then it wasn't. As the Raiders, where Dave currently lives in Las Vegas, kick a last-second field goal to knock off the L.A. Chargers, sending the Chargers home for the rest of the season and the Raiders into the AFC postseason as the number five seed. Dave, we were just having this discussion during the break, and it's been a conversation all morning long, evening, yesterday, about the Brandon Staley timeout. 38 seconds left in overtime. Third and four for the Raiders. Play clock down to four. 38 seconds, and Brandon Staley calls a timeout. The Raiders uh, uh, said themselves, they admitted to the fact that it changed their philosophy at the end of the game. Your takeaway from that timeout call by Brandon Staley, Dave, was what? First of all, thank you. Because that <laughs> that caused the Raiders to go, okay, wait, the guy ain't playing for the, he ain't playing for the tie. We better get this first down. And you know what? If we get it, We'll call timeout. We'll kick a field goal. Make sure they don't go to the playoffs. Like, I think they were conceding that there was going to be a tie and they were both going to get in the playoffs. Right leading up to that play, they were good. Just running the ball. Nobody's calling timeout. Clock just runs out. Everybody that keyed the tie option on on their uh, apps were going to get paid. Books were going to get buried. And it was all over. And the Steelers' playoff chances were all over. Big Ben mm. getting one more shot in the postseason. Done. I was walking around the book pacing like, they're going to tie. I can't believe it. I'm going to have to go on every show that I do on Monday and say, I can't believe there was a tie because as a bookmaker, odds maker, I was joking around yesterday, but I went around a bunch of different books of Vegas going, I'm looking for the tie. Can anybody tell me where the tie is? And there were books that had it. Like, they had the bet. I'm like, what was – it opened at one place 
you had to lay uh, 150 to win a dollar. It closed down to 30. You had to lay 30. It got bet all the way down on the yeses, and they, they couldn't get any bets on the no. So it was very interesting. Um, but again, for Steeler Nation, for everyone that wears the black and gold for nighttime in Pittsburgh behind me, thank you for, for getting, you know, Big Ben, one more go around. They're huge dogs to Kansas City. I know it's over. I mean, mm. they ain't going to Kansas City and winning. I'm, I'm accepted to that, but that's okay. It's going to be like a celebration coronation. Um, you know, we'll ride off into the sunset out in Kansas City after we probably lose and don't cover. But that's okay. I still can't you know? believe he called timeout. But that game in overtime between the Raiders and Chargers, the underdog won outright. All part of the craziness that we saw really in the Ooh. AFC yesterday from a postseason perspective. The underdog in Baltimore yesterday who won outright in overtime. Those very Pittsburgh Steelers that Dave mentioned. So, Dave, yes, the outlook is a 12.5-point underdog right now against the Kansas City Chiefs this upcoming weekend on Sunday Night Football to start off the playoffs. Not great, but the game yesterday and all that went into the theatrics of even allowing Pittsburgh to have a chance, what did you make of that Steelers effort? One final time and what we all assume was the last regular season game for Ben Roethlisberger. Defense. I mean, it's 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 still predicated on the defense. Steelers' first half, of course, that doesn't cover. Um, you know, another just, I don't know, free space on the on the pay-me card, on the bingo card every week. Steelers uh, don't cover the first half. Somehow come back and, you know, win the game in overtime. I thought that game may end in a tie the way it was going. Um it's the NFL delivers every Sunday, but like on the last week of the season, you got all these dogs that the Steelers get there on the money line. And you know, I mean, the reason that this even happened was because you had to get the first leg of the parlay in the Jacksonville Jaguars, get it done against the Colts to allow this game. You know, everyone was watching it. Yep. Everyone has, has the scoreboard up in the, in the stadium. Everybody on the sideline has the apps. They're like, hey, man, Jacksonville's beating the Colts at halftime. Let's go. We can go. So I think the game turned into one of those old school, um, you know, Raven-Steelers battles. It was fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. So I was watching the game with my roommate, who is a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. And for the good majority oh, yeah. of the early portion of that window, he was just rooting on the Jags, not even too concerned too. about the Steelers. And then it was like, uh-oh, the Jags are going to hold up their end of the bargain. The Steelers have to go win this football game. And another fourth quarter comeback for Ben Roethlisberger in his Hall of Fame storied career for the Pittsburgh Steelers. One last dance as of right now in the playoffs against the Chiefs in Arrowhead a 12-and-a-half-point underdog against Kansas City. You just brought up that game between the Jaguars and the Colts. The Colts were a 14-and-a-half-point, 15-point favorite on the road against Jacksonville, and they lose outright by 15 points. Dave, in my opinion, one of the most embarrassing efforts you will ever see. If Carson Wentz starts another game as an NFL quarterback, I would be shocked, but maybe not all that surprised. So when you see that, you know that Indianapolis has struggled mightily on the road, have not won in Jacksonville, since 2014 but yet more than a two touchdown favorite how does the sports book incorporate all of that knowledge into a betting line again the betting line doesn't look at any of that history stuff 
The betting line doesn't look at anything other than the numbers. And the numbers indicated that Jacksonville had two wins prior to yesterday, although one of them was against the Colts. And one of them, I believe, was against the Bills as a gigantic dog. They won at home 9-6 to six huh. as a 16 or 16-and-a-half-point 16 dog. The NFL is a week-to-week -week league. And when you do the numbers, you really have to keep that in mind. And we said it all the time. It was about the process, not the results. You continue to do the process. And then you get a crazy result like yesterday. i got to be honest. I mean, knowing everything that you know and everything that we were told all week with the narratives, we're doing the content now, we're doing the shows, you had to think that Jacksonville was really live to cover and worth a shot to win the game just based on everything you have going in. I'm not ready to put Carson Wentz off the pasture, but geez, like everything bad happened. They, they, they didn't coach, right. They didn't play defense, right. They didn't, I don't know why they didn't run the ball. I mean, I can't believe that when a team gets down, I mean, it was 16 to three, I think. And then they're just like, all right, open it up four wide. Let's just try to come back and just give Taylor the ball, do what you do best and play defense. Yep. And they abandon the run game. So you you really see by the end, most of the time, the Super Bowl is the result of not only the best teams, but the teams that handle adversity the best. And the Colts didn't handle adversity very well in the last really two weeks of the season. That, that loss to the Raiders last week was pretty telling to me. They're supposed to win wow. that game. So when they don't win that game, they force themselves into this situation. All they had to do was take up a care of business last week. Now they're laying double digits over two scores on the road. Nah, uh, I, I, I'm not totally surprised that, you know, Jacksonville covered a little bit surprised and very thankful that they won the game. More than a two touchdown favorite yesterday on the road in Jacksonville, more than a touchdown favorite last week at home against the Raiders. And that result for the Colts against the Raiders last week, the Colts against the Jags this week. The reason all the craziness that we saw yesterday in Baltimore and certainly last night out in the desert was able to even take place. So now, Dave, as we look at the AFC championship picture and what it looks like in the AFC postseason, the seven teams still available in this marketplace follow the exact seeding order of the AFC postseason. The Chiefs are the favorites at plus 175, or excuse me, not the exact order, uh, three through seven is, but not the top there. And that was the point I was alluding to. The Chiefs at plus 175, the favorites in the AFC, but the Titans have the number one overall seed at plus 310, the second best odds to win the AFC conference crown. So when you look at those odds right now, Dave, how do you think this will play out in the AFC postseason? Do the Titans hold value with the number one overall seed, yet not the favorite to win the conference? Well, I don't know if people listen to this segment on a regular basis, but I believe we spoke about this last week where the Titans were uh, about a 6-1 to one dog or 550 or something price to win the AFC. And we basically said that all they had to do was win Sunday and his price would be almost cut in half, which it is. Now, Buffalo's road is, you know, they have to win at home against New England and then they have to go to Tennessee – and win on the road. And then they have to beat likely Kansas City if, you know, if the top seeds hold on the road. That's a heck of a three team parlay. Um, 
I think it would pay more than 350 if you just roll it over. Just keep that in mind. Yep. But I think these odds tell you that the Titans Bills game is going to be pick 'em, which or or Titans minus mm. one. That's what the kind of that's what those numbers tell me. The Chiefs have to be the favorite because you've taken the money on the Chiefs all year long. So you can't just jump them up now because they're the two seed. You already got the money on the Chiefs. They're gonna people are gonna bet the Chiefs. So I don't think there's really value there. But I mean, if the Chiefs win it and you win the bet, then then you win. That has value. Cashing tickets always trumps everything. But I think the value lies in who you think can get to the AFC Championship of the th- four teams below the top three. Bengals, Patriots, Raiders, or Steelers. Can any of them win at least one game, let alone two, to get to that final one? Um, I don't think the Raiders and Steelers can. I think the Bengals and Patriots might have a shot, but I think the AFC champion is going to come from one of those top three teams. The Steelers are actually the longest odds of any team still available right now in the playoffs. So quickly, Dave, taking a look at the NFC Championship side of things. The Packers, the favorites still at plus 170. The Bucks, the number two overall seed at plus 330. Their odds getting shorter over the weekend as well. As you look at that NFC Championship board, any of those numbers stand out to you? The Niners number. The Niners number that just that that has a lot. You're going to hear a lot of people talking about that. They can go to Dallas and win that game. If they go to Dallas mm. and win that game, look out. I mean, they're the team that nobody wants to play. Um, but not surprised with the top two. It has to be Packers, Bucks. Obviously, the quarterbacks they got there last year. Can they get there again this year? Yes, because Tampa's at home. Last year they did it on the road the whole way. This year they're at home until they have to go to Green Bay. Wouldn't surprise me at all to see it be Packers and Bucks. Keep an eye on those Niners. Sportsbook conciliary Dave Sherpan breaking it down for us on two segments here on this Monday edition of the morning after college football playoff national championship NFC playoffs and AFC playoffs as well. Dave as always thank you so much. We round out the morning after on this Monday with our bye 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 best bet. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. A Monday edition of the morning after all about football. The NFL, the ending of the regular season, Black Monday as it comes to head coaching vacancies all across the National Football League. And finally, the college football playoff national championship game tonight. One final game this college football season for all the marbles. Number one, Alabama and number three, Georgia. This has been the morning after on this Monday on SportsGrid, Sirius XM, Channel 159, the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM and all across the SportsGrid Network. I am Ben Stevens. So as we say farewell to you on this Monday, as we say farewell, sadly so in my mind, to another college football season, before we say goodbye, it is time for Bye Bye Bye. Of course, we had to end with a college football best bet for the final game of the college football season. A national championship game rematch 
of the SEC title game between two very familiar foes. Number one, Alabama, a two and a half point underdog once again against number three, Georgia. The over under total 52 and a half. Alabama looks for its second straight national championship. It's fourth natty in the eight years of the college football playoff. Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs looking to finally get past Bama and Kirby looking to formally beat his boss in Nick Saban. I've gone back and forth on this game. What is the best side? Could a total intrigue me? Do I like an over of 52 and a half? Could we push to it? I think at the end of the day, I like where the number stands right now. I like Georgia laying two and a half against Alabama. Georgia has been one of the most dominant defenses I have ever seen in my long history of watching college football. The dogs defense, I think, makes an adjustment enough to limit Alabama offensively tonight for Georgia to cover in what I expect to be a very tight and very well-executed game on both sides. Give me Georgia, 28-24, covering a two-and-a-half-point spread. The morning after, each and every weekday, right here on SportsGrid, 9 a.m. Eastern time it begins. I'm Ben Stevens, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.